Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now on Food FM, you're listening to Bread and Butter with Caroline Kenyon. Caroline and her guests make sense of the world through food. From politics to farming, making and cooking. Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again. This is Food FM. Hello, I'm Caroline Kenyon and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Bread and Butter. And today we have a fabulous guest. We have Chef Maria Bradford, who is known for introducing Sierra Leonean cuisine to the UK. Welcome, Maria. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's a real treat because I'm going to be honest, I'm looking forward to being educated about Sierra Leonean food. I mean, we're using this lovely opportunity to chat. It's it's sort of prompted by the fact that you very recently published a, your first book, I believe. Oh, no, my book will be published next year. So oh, next I had year. a publishing, yeah, I had a publishing deal um, last year from Quadro, Heidi Grant. My cookbook will be published next year. Fantastic. Well, that builds the anticipation up even more. Tell us a bit about yourself, Maria. I know that you were born in Sierra Leone. How old were you when you came to the UK? So I came to England as a teenager to go to, to continue education. I was born in Sierra Leone, as you said, and um, I lived in Sierra Leone all that time and then came here to continue my education as a teenager. And, um, yeah, I went to university and did, um, accounting, finance and accounting. And I worked, um, as a finance and accounting person for about 10 years. And about six years ago, I, but during that time I was doing food and stuff like that. And then six years ago, I went to, I started doing, um, you know, doing chili sauce and the drinks and, and all of that, just doing bit and bobs like that and selling it at farm, farm shop, farmer's markets. And, and then I went to culinary school, um, cause I wanted to, cause I was doing traditional Cyrillinian food and, um, exploring a little bit, mixing flavors with European flavors and stuff like that. Um, so I thought, um, to kind of improve my chances and probably give me a bit more confidence. Um, I went to culinary school just to get more confidence in what I was doing and um, kind of be able to call myself a chef, I suppose. Understood. So has food always been in your life? Absolutely. Um, Food has been a massive part of my life since I was very, very little. And my earliest memory of even like playing was never really dolls. It was always 
play play cook, as we call it in Sierra Leone, just um, taking things out of your mom's kitchen and um, making concoctions with it outside that you f- you kind of feed under your chin because it's it's not really something that you can eat, and then gradually moving on to doing things that you like, kind of mixing. F- things that will not kill someone and um, force feeding other kids with it and saying, try this and try that. And uh, so, and my family as well, you know, my mother is a really, really good cook. My grandmother, my aunties, and um, I grew up in a really large family with lots of women. So cooking was like a big deal, um, especially weekends, because my mom worked during the week. So when it comes to weekend, there was always a lot going on and it's always around food and everyone comes to our house for food and um, there's a whole community um, and that. So yes, food has always been part of my life. It sounds wonderful, Maria, and I I, I love that idea of food as community, and that's what it is for me. So, as a girl, you were expected to help. Do you have brothers? Absolutely. Were they, were they expected to be involved? Not really. Unfortunately, in Sierra Leone, girls are more expected to help than boys. So, girls are more expected to be in the kitchen because. Um, you know, unfortunately, we're still raising girls to cook for husbands and um, get married and, and all of that. So girls are more expected to to cook. But I had a, a an extra special interest, I suppose. So to me, it wasn't a chore. It wasn't something that somebody asked me to be in the kitchen. I was always there and I was always so curious and asking a lot of questions. And for me, it wasn't just about being in the kitchen and cooking. It was also following my mom to go to the markets because I always, I'm so interested in markets in Sierra Leone because um, everything is fresh. For example, if you want to buy peanut butter, there's no peanut butter in jars or anything like that. You have to buy toasted peanuts in the market and it's ground. Um, if you want to, um, you know, get fresh, um, things, you, you know, everything is just there and you buy it and they process it for you. And that's how you buy it. You buy your own butter beans. If you want to do beans, you buy your own butter beans dried and you boil it. Nothing is in teens and stuff like that. So that part of food has always kind of also been interested, interesting to me. And just um, that process, that community basically from going into the market, having that relationship, with the grocery, the people that sell the groceries, um, and getting that home and then having family around and everyone helping out, everyone contributing and starting, you know, little things and that because they start trusting you with um, minor tasks in the kitchen. And then they start trusting you with bigger things like cooking rice, basically. That starts from about probably eight, nine. And um, as you go and as your confidence grows, they start trusting you with bigger things like making sauces and making dishes for the whole family. So I liked all that process, yeah. And is it uh, an oral tradition of sharing recipes or is anything written down? Nothing's written down. Unfortunately, nothing's written down, which is quite, it's quite nice that you can talk to people about things. But I also wish that there was a lot of um, writing. It was only when I came to England and um, when I started exploring food that I started bugging my mom, even with um, with regards to writing things down for me and writing ingredients. So not necessarily methods, but more writing ingredients of what goes into this, what goes into this. And there was always this thing where she always felt, felt like it was a burden to her like um and my grandmother used to say I'm I'm really inquisitive it's like oh my god you're so inquisitive you ask way too many questions 
But um, yeah, so unfortunately, it's not really written down. It's more oral. And then as you get older, of course, like if you have interest in it, you start writing your own stuff. And um, and because I was so used to people just passing information orally and not writing it, um, it did take some time for me to get to that mindset where I started writing things down. And it was more my husband, to be fair, which um, um, I would say probably nearly you know, when we got married and we've been married for like almost 20 years now. And he was the one that was really pushing and just saying, oh, can you write this down? It'd be good, you know, if we have kids, it'd be nice for them to know exactly what to do and all of that. So he, he started it. So when I did have book deal, we had to go through the loft and um, have a look and just see what was written over 10 years ago and kind of explore that and go over that. I'm sure you were really grateful to him that he now write things down. <laughs> So what do you think when you first came to England, Maria, what do you think of food here? I thought it was boring. I, I, food was very strange that, that much I knew. Um, food was very strange. But I think the most difficult thing was the fact that I came to, I came from Sierra Leone and straight into Kent, um, Westmoreland. I wasn't in a, in an area where there's African shops and I wasn't in an area where I can explore black food, if you like. I wasn't in an area where anybody looked like me, um, where I can, um, be inquisitive and ask questions about, oh, where do you get this? Where do you get this? Um, and the one big thing to be fair was, um, the whole time I was um when I came I had shaved head because there was nowhere like we went to my mom's friend um who I came to stay with she literally took me everywhere to have my hair done and every single place that we went they were saying there's no place to do my hair they couldn't do anything with my hair so we had to cut all my hair off and I didn't have <laughs> just because there was nobody to help so food was exactly like that um everything was very very strange my very first christmas here i remember was very sad because christmas was a massive deal and surrounding food and food that i grew up eating and food that was really familiar to me and all of a sudden you know, there was nothing that was familiar, um, just potato and stuff that I saw in the supermarket, but even the vegetables were strange. Um, so food was very, very tough. And then I found peanut butter in a jar. And then I started doing like peanut soup for myself because I really like like peanut stews and stuff and putting chicken and stuff like that. And Anna um, also like really loved the peanut soup that I was doing as well. So yeah, and I started exploring about even chili, you know, chili is such a big thing in African cooking and um, spices. I couldn't get that because um, the only chili that I could get was not even that hot. Like we were looking for chilies and I only could get jalapenos. I was like, this is not hot. This is not chili. So <laughs> food was a struggle for a little bit um, until um, we went to London and um, my first, I was introduced to Brixton and I was like, oh my God, there's a place that exists that looks like this. So Brixton becomes became the place that I wanted to go to all the time because um, it felt very familiar. That's so lovely that that finally you found somewhere where you felt sort of comfortable and at home. But tell us a little bit about standout Sierra Leonean dishes. What you know, if you had to list the top three dishes, what might they be? 
I would definitely say um, cassava leaf, cassava leaf sauce, which we call plasas. Um, it's our um, national dish. So um, cassava is yuca, but we, we eat the leaves um, as well as um, the roots. And another thing that is quite standard in Sierra Leone as well is sweet potato leaves because we eat so a lot of the roots um, stuff. We eat the leaves and we eat the roots um, and the same as okra. So we eat okra, but we also eat okra leaves as well. So I would say like those are very, very much um, Sierra Leonean dishes that like it's a very typical Sierra Leonean dish like you know, the leaves and um, and the ingredients that we'll mix it with because um, there's a lot that happens with it before it gets to the table. Um, so but I'll say cassava leaves, sweet potato leaves and um, okra. And how much does meat feature in the diet? Is it a largely plant-based cuisine? or it, It's a largely plant-based um, pulse. So we eat lots of pulses, um, but we also eat lots of fish. We eat fish more than we eat meat. Um, I did, don't, to be fair, if I can think like, I don't really remember eating meat more than three or four times in the year. Um, it was largely fish based. Um, and we only eat meat probably on special occasions, like when you have Christmas or Easter or maybe on a Sunday, somebody's coming around and that uh, then we'll have meat. But most of the time, um, I would say a good 90% of our diet is fish. Um, and we do fish in different forms, like, um, we smoke it, preserving it and, um, flavor enhancement and, and that. And then we fry it and, um, we steam it. So lots of different ways to do fish really. So we eat more fish than anything else. Just going back, tell me what it was that made you think, I'm going to leave being an accountant and I'm going to do food. I'm going to be a chef. Can you remember think, a moment? Yeah, um, I think it was, um, so over the years, um, I always did like dinner parties and I'm always the one that volunteered to cook, um, whether it's in the office or at home with my friends and family and that. So I, I was always the one doing that. And all the time while I was doing this, like my friends knew, everybody around me kept saying, oh, you should, you should do something with food. Why aren't you doing food? Why aren't you doing food? But I think it's more like the fair. And um, I didn't really grow up in a, in a society where that was a job. It's not a job. It's something that you do. It's something that you expected to know to do, but it's not a career path. It's not something that anybody thought would give would make you money, to be honest. It's not a respectable job, um, if you like. So it was never really a career path at all. But um, I think it's over the years because people, everyone's been saying that. And then I started with the chili sauce. The chili sauce was the one I would say the salon fire. It's the one that really started giving me that confidence um, and how people received that. People, it was received so well. And, um, you know, colleagues at work were saying, oh, can you make us? And I started selling it there. And then I did my cousin's wedding. Um, my cousin got married um, and I, she asked me to do her wedding for 60 people. And um, it was quite scary, but I did it for, and I did a sit down meal. It was received so well after the events, people were asking me for my card and they were asking me, um, oh, I've got an event. One of her friends was like, I'm getting married next year. Can you do the food for me? And I was like, oh my God. So, <laughs> so I finally decided to create an Instagram page. And I remember creating that and then posting a couple of photos as well. And it was received so well. Um, and 
that shocked me. Um, and that was the thing that really spurred me on to say, oh, okay, so maybe I should give this a go. And uh, maybe I should see this as something that I could do um, in, in the future. Yeah. And did you did you make the leap or did you go part time? Yes, I did. Oh, absolutely, I did. So after that, um, after that, um, I started reducing my hours um, at work and um, went part time. And then um, I went. I started exploring other pro- products that I could make. Um, started making other products. Um, yeah, and then I went to culinary school. So by the time I went to culinary school. Um, I'd given up my job completely um, and um, just kind of went through that. And my husband's saying, oh, yeah, do it, do it. Absolutely do it. I've been telling you for years that you're not really an accountant because you hate it. Because I really hated my job and I was really unhappy doing it. It felt like a chore. It felt like something that every day of the week felt like Monday, to be honest. So um, and just culinary school was hard because um, I was going into London um, in the evenings and um, I was doing products um, as well. I was doing farmer's market. I felt so much happy and I didn't feel like I was working and I didn't feel like I was um, I was doing anything hard. It just felt easy. I grew up with everybody saying you're very academic, you're very academic and stuff like that. Um, but I find the creative side and going to, especially culinary school, I find it's incredibly easy. Um, the learning path, um, it just, things just fell into place very, very quickly. Um, yeah. And that, that just kind of sealed the fact that, yeah, this is what you should be doing. And, um, I just followed it. So you finished at culinary school and then, and then what happened then? I know you've, you started your supper clubs, which are very popular. Yes. Yeah. So after culinary school, I got more confidence and um, the products were going. I was doing farmer's markets. I was in supper clubs in London um, and that was all going well. And then, of course, coronavirus happened. <laughs> so when coronavirus happened, um, I thought, you know, initially it was really scary because I had lots of products and I didn't know what to do with it. Um, a friend of mine who works at Medway Hospital, um, you know, I was saying to her, I don't know what to do with this product. Maybe I should donate some to you guys because um, there are lots of doctors and people working. And so I donated some to Medway Hospital and it was received really well. I started getting videos from doctors and nurses sending me um, images and photos of what they were doing with the drinks at the hospital. And that I started posting on social media that helped improve the sales. And I sold more products during lockdown than any other time. So that kept me going throughout lockdown, just um, focusing on that and um, writing more. So I find myself practicing more recipes, being a bit more creative and taking more chances um, and um, force feeding all my friends and family in lockdown to try different things and different food and try my new creations. Yeah. And how do you find, you know, the kind of the British response to your home cuisine, Maria? Do you think we're adventurous? Are we are we embracing it? Or do you feel like you're on you're playing an educational role? Um, a little bit of both. So some people are very, very adventurous. Um, some people you play in that educational role. So the people who book me, uh, I would say are really, really adventurous. Like I have 
um, next week an event for 15 people. Um, only one of them have tried my food and only one of them is familiar with African food. So um, the rest um, are just going to be uh, very super, super adventurous people. So I do meet lots of adventurous people, but um, I do meet adventurous people who also want to learn and they're quite keen to learn about other people's um, culture. And I think that's what I like about the the chef table or my private dinners, because it's not just um, about eating the food. It's also my relationship relationship with the food and being able to communicate um, that to them and talk about Sierra Leone and culture and all of that. And um, I always find it's so much easier learning about someone and someone's culture through food anyway. So that has been like for me, the channel to talk about Sierra Leone and um, and to to educate a little bit about also West African um, ingredients, because um, not everyone knows about West African ingredients, which um, unfortunately still surprises me because um, I just um, feel like, you know, I, <laughs> I know a lot about other people's cuisine. So when I meet somebody that's never, don't have any idea about West Africa, you know, not only Sierra Leone, but even West African cuisine, it still surprises me or African cuisine. It still surprises me because it's a massive continent and there's so many people there and our food, it's absolutely amazing and delicious and we, it's healthy. There's so much, you know, if you want to be a vegan, pescatarian, vegetarian, there's so much within that continent. Um, for everyone to explore. So it's a bit of both, a bit of education, but also like for adventurous seekers, really, people who um, want to learn about other people and um, want to know about other people's cultures. Yeah. Do you think there are enough advocates of African food? Now, yes, it's there's, it's beginning to be because there are different facets of it. So there's a lot more like street food because um, I remember before, there's not, you can't really go into London and um, find places like street food where you can get African street food and all of that, well, West African street food. And um, the closest people came to knowing about West of African food is really um, Nando's, which is not really Portuguese influence and stuff. But now there's a lot more people, there's a lot more chefs. And the more that, you know, myself and other African chefs are promoted uh, in the, you know, out, out there and, and supported um, the more people are curious and the more people want to know and the more it encourages other, you know, black chefs or other chefs, to be fair, to explore their country's cuisine or their nation's cuisine and to be confident in it. Because it was the thing before where you're so scared of um, putting these things out because people aren't going to be open to it. The more and more like we keep pushing it and just saying, I don't need to water down my culture for anybody um, I'm going to meet you halfway with it by presenting it in a nice way and um, and making sure that I explain to you what's on the plate. But um, I'm expecting you to also meet me halfway so you kind of, you know, hopefully enjoy it and um, learn about it and know that it's important to me as well. I love that. And are you finding it easier to get the ingredients now? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, a lot, lot more, um, easier. Um, with Cerulean food is quite, um, you know, it's getting a lot, lot better because there are lots more shops in London, especially, um, where you can go and meet other Cerulean who have shops and you can talk to them about what you're doing and they can get fresh ingredients. Like, you know, I've had events where I wanted to do sweet potato leaves and I've contacted, um, a shop in London and I said, you know, on Thursday I'm doing a 
a corporate dinner in London and I want to, and the client has asked for a sweet potato leaf. Very adventurous client, by the way. And um, that was his first experience with Cerulean food. And he just went for the most traditional stuff that, you know, any Cerulean will have on a Thursday. Um, and I spoke to this um, supplier and, you know, by Tuesday, there was sweet potato leaf harvested in Cerulean and in England on Thursday. And I was able to use it. Um, on a, on that Thursday, so how fantastic um, is is that? That is <laughs> yeah. incredible. That's the global world we live in, isn't it? Absolutely, and it's getting more and more better. And and the thing is, you know, with African ingredients, especially some of like the rooted vegetables, it's not just it's not just coming from Africa now. You know, it's coming from like Brazil and stuff like that. And we and that correlation, you know, more and more. I'm being, you know, I, when I go to like um, South American restaurants and I'm having cassava in different forms, which is really exciting because I'm like, oh, we don't eat it like this, but this is so interesting and this is so amazing. And that so we can get it from that side as well and do our bits with it and do what we do with it to make our cuisine. Tell us a little bit about what you're going to be preparing for Christmas. What are the standout dishes for you? For for Christmas, mm-hmm. I have a very mixed race family. My husband is English, so um, <laughs> white English. So, um, and my children are very used to eating a mixture of both sides. Um, so, on usually Christmas Eve, we do. I'll do what we do in Sierra Leone. So, Christmas Eve, we don't eat anything heavy because there's a lot happening um, on Christmas Day. So, we'll tend to eat things like a really light pepper soup, like a really spicy but comforting soup, light soup. And that will usually use like boiled um, cassava or, or boiled plantain and stuff like that. So we will have, we'll still have that here and uh, we'll have lots of drinks and stuff like that. Christmas day, I tend to go a little bit more traditional, but not too traditional. Like last year, for example, Christmas, we had beef wellington, but with the beef wellington, we always make sure that we have, like how we do mashed cassava um, <laughs> and mix it with um, with parmesan um, cheese. So there's still kind of an element of African ingredients coming into place. I've had um, um, beef wellington before served with like fonio um, and I would make, um, so I would make the, the fonio into like a creamy, um, almost like mash, but like a creamy kind of thing and, and serve it with it. So it's a mixture of both. I haven't quite decided yet what we have in this year for Christmas because um, I, I don't think I've allowed myself to kind of get into my own Christmas, but it will always be something a little bit of um, European and a bit of African. So in fact, my family expects that. So we'll have a bit of of both, um, you know, if we're and New Year's, so we have a tradition at home that we've done since the kids were little. New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, we always eat something African, always, and it will always be like fufu, um, which is a fermented dough, and we'll have it with a traditional Cerulean sauce. So my family all knows that. So Christmas we'll have like an Afrofusion thing, and then New Year we have a very very traditional African dish or Cerulean dish. Yeah. And do you have open house? Do people call round? <laughs> 
I can't imagine that you don't keep a closed door, Maria. I feel sure that you're keeping a closed door. So um, we always have friends and family around. Um, and unfortunately, since it's weird, I've always, I don't think I've ever had a Christmas where I've been the one, I've been invited. Everyone just said, oh yeah, so we'll come around, right? So we'll just, can we make desserts or can we make this? And then we'll come around, you'll do dinner. So it's always like that but I don't mind I enjoy having people over and um cooking everyone comes around so I cannot remember a time where someone had said oh you come around for Christmas it's always been the other way around oh we'll come around to you how about you do this and um we'll bring this and then you know we can all have Christmas together which I don't mind anyway I, I say I grew up um having big Christmases and everyone coming around so I enjoy that kind of setting anyway so it's it's fun and how are you feeling about 2023, Maria? Very, Very exciting. You've got yes. your book coming out and then mm. more and more awareness yeah. of so, food from Africa and specifically thanks to you, Sierra Leone. I'm, what are your I'm hopes? I'm really, really excited for Christmas, for, for 2023, sorry. I'm really excited for 2023 because as you say, I've got my cookbook coming out, which is, is just like, it's exciting. It's fantastic. And um it's, um, you know, Quadril has given me this platform to showcase, um, myself, my culture and talk about Sierra Leonean people and talk about Sierra Leonean culture. So I'm really excited about that. And, um, I won an award this year, um, you know, which is just my, still mind blowing for African food. Um, so, um, I'm hoping that next year I will be able to maybe do a bit more, um, events where, it's not just like the private dining that I do, but maybe have a bigger space because that's what a lot of people have been asking for. Can I do an event where people can buy tickets like Supper Club and come to it? But it'll be kind of what I still do in my studio where it's really cultural based and still talking about the food and my relationship with it and all of that. So I'm looking to doing a little bit more of that, but I think 2023 is going to be quite exciting. And um, there's a little bit more awareness, as you say, about African food and West African food and Cerulean food, you know, we're a tiny, tiny nation. And for us to be seen in this way and for our food to be recognized in this way, it's just, yeah, incredible. So I'm really excited about it and I'm really looking forward to what 2023 brings. Oh, well, you deserve it all, Maria. Thank Wishing you. you the very, very best for a, a wonderful year and realization of Thank all your you. hopes and ambitions. Thank, Thank you. you so much Thank for, you for having us me. Today. Thank you so much. I've had a great time. You're listening to Bread and Butter with Caroline Kenyon. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com.